All right, all right. Crew, checking in from Salty Stories, the ship's logbook. Episode number, we don't even know what episode it is yet, but we got our man, Mr. Brett Levingston from Down Under, checking in. He's going to tell us about some encounters he had while diving with some great white sharks. He's going to tell us about the waves have been doing, what everyone's been up to in Australia lately. He's going to talk about rebuilding his boat. Um, Brett is a surfer, a diver. He lifeguards for a day job. Yeah, man, let's get into it. This is episode, like I said, we don't know what episode it is. Salty Crew Radio presents Salty Stories, the ship's log. Stories about the hard workers, the searchers, the risk-taking, mistake-making watermen who have nothing to prove. About the seafaring, the wax-sharing, the grommets, young and old. About the tried and true, those who've paid their dues. And about those who choose to find refuge in the sea. My name's Brett. However, everyone knows me as Water Bubbler. It's a name that I've carried since I was, I think I was eight. So one of the old boys up the end of the road, Bunner, he nicknamed him Water Baby. Just I'm hoping it was purely out of being in the surf all the time. That's what I got told. But um, <laughs> yeah, it went from like Water Baby, Water Boy, Water Man, Water bubbler, I've been called everything from like water bed, waterproof mascara, like everything like that. Like one of my friends even just calls me baby. It's quite weird, but um, yeah, so that's where that's from. Um, so I grew up in Palm Beach on the Gold Coast and very fortunate to go up there. We're pretty lucky to have more often than not a few little sneaky banks around and terms of point breaks grew up more or less in Burley in the alley and um yeah I've traveled a lot but yeah I always keep coming back to home such a beautiful place here and um yeah when the waves are good they're good it's just sharing it with your five thousand closest friends <laughs> the crazy. um well you know one thing that keeps everyone somewhat honest is uh the currents and the and the sweep that, that happens there. And, um, you know, I think even I was looking yesterday, um, and I just was focusing in on that, that, that session that you guys had at the alley or even that, that wave where, um, I never knew the alley could get that big and, and the lip could throw. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like here, when we do get a swell, like how much it can make the sand travel. So like first day of the swell might've been like six, eight foot. And the sand was all right. It was quite short just behind the rock. But then next day might have been eight to ten and pushed the sand even further. But, like, I think they're good. Good day was, like, I think it was a Saturday and a Sunday. It was really good, maybe, like, ten foot or so. And, like, so thick because as it keeps pushing, keeps pushing, it just grooms the sand just so defined into this, like, perfect, like, 45 degree angle off the side of the point and like yeah it was pretty special like the saturday afternoon that we had was 
we'd had like Saturday morning and then the wind got super strong. And when I say we had it, there's probably 20 jet skis out there and it's, it's hectic, man. Like they've been doing step offs and toe ends or whatever out there. Like it's not a big wave spot. Like don't get me wrong. Anyway. No, no, it's for the sweep. You just want to get waves. You know? Yeah. And like, you wouldn't even get out if you're yeah. paddling. Like no. it's just hectic, but like we're towing and stepping off and anyone that's listening, it's, it's not a big wave spot. It's like, <laughs> for you, you know, we're just lazy. <laughs> no, no, you need that. <laughs> By the end of the swell, like when it dropped and it was six, six foot or so, the, like the last day when it was sort of over, it had just groomed it and it was like four barrels of wave and probably ran for five, 600 meters just because of those lines rolling down and just pushing it and pushing it. It was, it was pretty impressive, but like me and a couple of buddies, I had my friend Smallsy driving the ski and then there was my friend Beaumont and Macca. We were like sitting up at Macca's house. He's got like this sick pad on top of Corumban and like it was so windy. It was like 35 knots southerly and it was too windy. It was sort of like chopping it up and like we we're all sitting up on his balcony and I'm like, boys, so these clouds, I reckon it's going to drop late afternoon. This wind's going to drop. And we're like, let's just go anyway. Mm. We went out there and what, you know, the wind dropped and like the, the Sunday's the day after was 35 jet skis on a tiny little point. Like it was anarchy. It was insane. But this Saturday afternoon, man, there was like two, like two skis, four of us out there, all mates. And then there was another like James and his brother Mark were out there and like, unfortunately I sucked out the rope. I freed it and got it out for him. But <laughs> so like, yeah, there's more ways for us, but it was only an hour on Saturday afternoon and it was just so special to see because that place, like, I don't know if you've been there when it's small, like it's like the kook haven. <laughs> I call it the entitled kook hub of the world. It's like there's thousands of them and it's it's sort of frustrating for us as locals. It's like we won't go out there and surf it when it's two foot and sloppy because there's just too many people and like you're not gonna get put up with the frustration of it for two foot slop, but when it gets to that size, they're not out there, so they don't know that we mm. still we are local and still surf it. But like yeah, that swell, man, it was that's that afternoon, it was like one hour of like every single way, like just stepping off the ski and just rolling into like a 10 foot by like 15 foot wide. <laughs> just, oh, that, just, oh. That's that's the session that I'm talking about because in the photo, you can tell the sun's dipping. Yeah, it's like one of those things, like I'm sure you've had it at home as well, where just your home break just like once in 20 years just mm. goes berserk and like. That's when I think like the vibe is just so much better for it to happen. And you've got all your friends that you grew up surfing. Yeah. Absolute slop with. And then like, did you ever get that FOMO? Like all the traveling that you've done over the years, seeing your home break cooking or hearing it from the boys and you, you're probably over the other side of the world, maybe seven Brazil or something. And just, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. The, um, and, no, we still see here a bit. We're kind of like at the peak um, hurricane season right now. So I'm getting yep. hit like every day, like 
someone, you know, Harris is going to be on gone on Wednesday and we're going back up to New York and yeah, every, you know, um, cause we've, we've actually had a pretty active season. Um, I yeah. think we're almost through the alphabet maybe. Um, but, uh, so it's been, it's been good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fun, man. So Brett, what do you do for work, man? Tell me about the, tell me about a day in the life, work day, play day. Um, yeah. So I, when I left school, I was still competing, like doing the pro juniors and that. And, um, mom and dad were pretty adamant that I should definitely think smart. And I ended up going to uni when I was 17 and, um, while I was at uni, I started lifeguarding because it complemented well with lifeguarding. Like we'd get busy when the uni holidays are on. It worked out perfectly. But so I did finish my degrees and I still sort of just, I don't know, it's the whole lifestyle thing of lifeguarding. I'm still doing it now, 14 years on. And, um, are you on the beaches there at um, on the other side of the alley at like Elephant Rock and stuff? I wish I was. I was like, oh. <laughs> Surf is paradise today. Nice. (laughs) Rounding up the tourists is good fun. Nice. You're you're working your way. You're working your way to the alley. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. eventually, one day I'll I'll, I'll be there. I'll lock it in. But um, no, it's a cool job. It's like it's one of those lifestyle jobs, you know. Like I work for a lot of guys that at face value you'd look at them and be like oh yeah they're like 35 and that's like no nah, man this guy's close to 60 it's just the lifestyle of it like always in the water and out and healthy and active and it's i think i've been doing it too long for me though i might potentially look at a career change soon but um it's it's cool man to know that like some days you get home and you've definitely made a difference and saved saved a couple of lives so but it's hard work, you know, lifeguard and dude being in the sun all day, man. That's it's not, not for the faint hearted by any means. Oh man. I've had so many like little arguments with like girlfriends in the past. Like, Oh, what do you want to do? Like go do this. Tomorrow. I'm like, I'm so buggered. Like mm-hmm. that's just crazy. Like, what? You've just gone and work and like sat down all day watching everyone. So like, you try sitting in a 30 knot northerly and like yelling at people all day and like it does weigh you down no it's uh it's nuts man we talked about we talked about a a a nuts dive story i don't know you got any stories that you um either travel stories or even epic fail stories or um plenty of epic fail stories that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> lately like because being stuck in queensland it's sort of played into my hand pretty well because i i've just finished rebuilding my boat and um there was something that like i was over in fiji like i used to travel a lot like go away for sort of three four months at a time every year i go away and i go to do surf guiding like fishing guiding gigs and that sort of thing and um yeah we I got back and I was just like, man, like, like I'm a spear fisherman. I love my line fishing, but I'm not that successful at it, but I love my spear fishing and surfing and that. I sort of thought to myself, like, I'm traveling every year to go and chase waves and fish. And we've got some of the best in the world on offer just up the coast. So that was my motivation. I 
built my first boat that was small, which we did still go like 60, 70 Ks out to sea in for a couple of trips, but it was a little bit hairy. So I sold that and started building this boat that I got now solely for the purpose of going up north and exploring the barrier reef and what's on offer up there. So for me, like, yeah, we can't go to New South, but there's a lot on offer in Queensland. Yeah, and then and Queensland just keeps stretching north, right? I mean, you basically just yeah, just keep going north until you can't go no more. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I've I've, I've barely done anything. Like, I just flew up uh, to Proserpine Alley Beach the other day to buy a new car, and um, never been there. Like I've done, I've been up with my spear gun sponsor, Trav from Aim, right up Cairns Way. Like gone real far north and dove up there, but the whole gap, like basically from the Gold Coast to where we all go diving at the southern tip of the Great Barrier Reefs, about seven-hour drive from here. A place called that Seventeen Seventy, and um, yeah, between there and Cairns, I've done barely anything. And I was like, said to my girlfriend, I'm like, man, I want to come back and really explore this place, like craziest coastline, and then just like plethora of islands everywhere it's pretty cool and i want to i think you need a lot of time to check it all out but um well i don't know like tell me about your tell me about the boat tell me about rebuilding the boat i know um i know people uh you know i think anyone that's had a boat at, at some point um would think about rebuilding some part of it <laughs> yeah don't do it <laughs> it's um yeah, it's very, very sticky, itchy, smelly work. I'd build a fiberglass boat, obviously, having said that. But um, yeah, I, I did a little one when I was, it was probably like five years ago. I, I bought one knowing full well I was rotted out. I was riding like it was like hugging the sea. It was so rotted. <laughs> it, was, it was so dangerous. But finally, like time came, I was like, oh, I'll rebuild it. I did that all myself. And um pretty rewarding too you know to go back out on something that you've spent i think the first one was about just under a year of working on it like you know, obviously work work gets in the way a lot but um yeah learned a lot through that and then the second one i thought i'd like just i could have slapped the motor on it and gone almost but uh but oh, no, I'll customize it and then I'll do this. And then next minute, well, while I'm doing this, I'll do this. And it turned into a year and a half long project. But um, it's very, very rewarding in the end to have something that you've built. And like there's many, many hours sitting there with like one of my dive buddies just sitting in this bare shell of fiberglass dust and like sitting there and like oh how would this work and what's the best place for this and sort of trying to figure out how because essentially rebuilding you can make it however you want to suit your needs and there was i think we've done well in the at the end of it it's like very well suited to what we want so like big fuel big cooler space and there's like when we do go up the reef weather permitting you're going up for three four days or if the weather was good i'd love to go for a week and dive and fish the whole time so sort of big capacity everything's what you need for something like that mm, yeah that's uh that's so i mean i'm as you're saying that i'm picturing the feeling of just uh you know just sitting in the boat in the water just like a bit out and like not not so content 
Like not even, I don't care if I got a fish on the line. I don't care if I'm about to dive in the water or not. You're just like sitting there just like with this, just, I don't know. It's like really satisfied sort of like feeling, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Like I think a big thing too is the, the budget pretty much tripled. <laughs> but it's one of those things, you know, you want it done right. Do it properly. Like just don't cut corners and, especially for us at the southern end of the Great Barrier Reef, we're running out 70, 80, 90, 100 kilometres. So you need to make sure you've built everything over-engineered and make sure everything's spot on because if something goes wrong, you're a long way from help. I can swim pretty well being a lifeguard, but not that far. It's, it's, a, it's a nasty ocean, man, for sure. You know, and you're just like, oh, you start just looking around and you're just like, okay, how, how you know, security, one, two, three, you know. Um. <laughs> well, I don't know, like, you guys uh, here have a lot of shark problems, Florida, like, especially out the Keys and that. I've heard, see, like, I follow the pages, spearfishing and that, and there seems to be a lot of, yeah, shark activity down your way. Do you, would you say that, like surfing around there? So they're around, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they like. I don't know all theories, right? But <laughs> but Great White hasn't chowed anyone around here, and and sometimes, yeah. How are you guys doing? We had one. I think it was about three years ago. We were diving off Morton Island, and I had one come up and try and bite my legs off. Wow, it's it's crazy like they're i don't know what's happening in the world but like they seem to be traveling further like there was one apparently spotted off indo the other year and then like my friend had one rushing last year and 20 i think it was like 27 degree water in the middle of summer out off the gold coast like i think the theory of them traveling in the cooler climates is out the window now it's sort of like a free-for-all really mm. yeah i mean and then to that point too like uh the few that they've tracked around here like they, they'll swim into the inlets and like you know like way up into like not only like warm water but like murky you know like brownish brackish water too and you're like dude yeah. what the you're the king of the jungle what the hell are you doing up there looking for scraps dude yeah well that's the thing that's i think you get a question too what what are they doing like why is this behavior coming about is it because we've de- like depleted the sea so far that like they're going in a regular sort of patterns to find food because it's that scarce but, yeah, yeah that's a that's a that's a good question yeah i'd like i'd like to because i also feel too that and this is a theory, uh, like when you're surfing, you know, it's like the experience would be for the, for the shark and the human would be different than like when you're spearing. I feel like oh. when you're spearing, like the, the, the interaction and I mean, obviously if they're just come out of nowhere and no one sees them or your buddy, you know, then maybe that's different. But, but when you're like, when you see them and they see you, they, like, it's like the rules change, right? They're like, okay, you know, I know you see me and now I'm just going to be curious and you're, and there's like an understanding there, but like, but then when you have that understanding and they do something, then they rush you, you're just like, 
dude, what are you doing? You freaking knucklehead, you know? And so, so yeah, the experience is a little bit different. And then when, and then, yeah, when they rush you and you're, and you guys have already seen each other and, you know, uh, made that establishment, then I just think that you're just a freaking, you're just bully, man. There's also comes into play like the territorial thing as well. So like when I had the white try and have a go at me, it was probably like, I don't know when it like it all happened. It went all over the news because like I got a photo of it. I had like had such a shocker with the GoPro. So like my friends like Jamie, Ant, and Kurt were like diving. It's very rare where we dive because lots of current. However, the current was quite mellow this day, and um, we anchored the boat, which we never do. And the boys are diving like sort of on this ridge, and I'd just been hero just like i thought oh, i'll dive off like the edge of the ridge a little bit deeper so they're probably 20 meters from the boat i'm probably another 30 meters away from the boat so i'm probably even further anyway my friend had had it like he'd had a dive and he reckons he dove down and like there was actually i'll tell you the full story so basically we were diving this spot and there was not much happening and then all of a sudden this trickle of current came down the reef and it started to turn on. So like we'd been burling or chumming for a good part of an hour. There's fish everywhere because the current had started trickling. We're there to hunt Spanish mackerel. And like my friend had just shot like a really big one. It was like 30, I think it's 32 kilos or something. And yeah, it just came alive. Before that, no sharks, it came alive. There was probably like three bull sharks, a couple of whalers sort of hovering around, but they weren't being a drama to us. And my buddy's close to the boat had dove and he, Jamie had turned around and looked and this like, probably like a four meter white was just looking at him. Like it was halfway down the water column. He's probably in like 10, 15 meters of water and it's just looking at him. And he's like, oh my. So he'd come up to the surface and like with our hoods on and that, you can't hear all that much. And um, I started yelling and I was like, oh, what? Put my he- head up. I'm like, hmm. what? Like, what? I couldn't hear what was happening. I'm like, all I hear is like, there's a white, don't shoot anything. And I just shot a mackerel and lost it. So I just clicked the spear in, but hadn't even loaded my gun. And I'm like, oh, there's a white. And I'm like, oh, wow. Hit record. And then I put my head in the water and like the white was right there, like probably... 10 12 feet away from me just like coming straight for me now this is like everyone asks after that happened like oh my god how was it it was not an attack it like they don't have hands and feet they can't communicate it Mm. was more or less like they just want to come up and see what you're about unfortunately for us we're soft so when they come up to have a little nibble to see what we are like we bleed out and die but like i sort of put my head under the water and like, had a shocker with the gopro hit record when i was like yelling to the boys and then went down and it was right there and i got too excited and stopped recording but it, <laughs> you know like i got in and i called my friend he's like he's just like gopro guru js i'm like man like i could potentially have the craziest footage you'll ever see in your life and he's like oh my i hope you got it got back home it was nothing but i got a still a still from it like a i think the this video recorder was 0.5 of a second but um 
just <laughs> right, right in front of me. But so like it was cruising, you know, like I don't think they even attacked from the surface. It was just, nah. you still hear me? I'm like, yeah, I can hear you. Here. <laughs> no, you're good on my end. Um, yeah, it like just slowly cruised up and like, Oh, like my heart was just going nuts. Oh my god, like it's coming. <laughs> like it cruised up, and then like yeah, this was a crazy thing. Like I've seen them in all the videos, and like I've seen them at a distance as well. And they were, it was even more beautiful in real life than I could even imagine. Like I saw it from like this far away, like mm. all the little dimples in its nose and like its eyes, but it like rolled up and like rolled its eyes back. I was like pretty oh, freaky. Oh no way. And just opened its mouth and like came for sort of like my torso. I'm like, no, like you're kidding. And <laughs> so I got the gun, which was unloaded and like sort of pushed it into its head. And like, this is the, the spookiest thing in the whole like encounter was that like every other shark that you poke, they don't like it. Like you poke them and they'll just go pew and shoot mm. off. Like, yep. It just freaks them out. This it's thing, like a reaction. Like, they just go yeah, it's like they're the, they're the boss. They're not used to getting poked <laughs> around. So, like, I poked this thing so hard that, like, I pushed myself off of it and, like, kicked it in the face because I was just sort of, like, with my flippers, spinning back, and then it didn't even budge, eh? It just, like, cruised off, and then it went straight down, and that's when I was like, oh, my. Like, it started circling on the bottom. I was probably, like, 25 metres of water, and it's just swirling around down there i'm like wow i'm i'm a goner now like like, that's yeah i don't know i think a lot of people are very opinionated when you bring up the shark topic and for me in that experience yeah it did try to bite me but it wasn't an attack it was not they don't have arms and like yeah they can't communicate that that's how they see what you are I have a little nibble yeah it doesn't work out so well for most of us unfortunately no yeah I, I totally agree with that too it's just you know especially in this environment that we're into where everyone's just so sensitive about everything and look I'm you know I'm normally walk the line as well but yeah I mean look your experience is your experience you know and no one can no one can argue with that and and uh yeah yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, they come up for a sniff and, and then you get in that gray area of like, oh, you know, was it this or was it that? And, you know, human beings. But um, yeah, but uh, well, it's a pretty rad experience. I actually my buddy um, in Cape Canaveral, uh, a great white came and he's like, oh, I want to jump in the water and get footage of it. And he jumps in the water. He's like got a gun in one hand and his GoPro in the other. And so he's like, it has the GoPro up and then the the white turns and like is coming at them just not like coming at them for it just just hey what is this in the water you know yeah. like you would come up looking yeah. at a piece of trash and then it's like coming right at him and then right when you see it's about to get to him he like drops the gopro and like picks up his gun so then you don't <laughs> you don't see the uh shark like right when it's in his face and then like and then it goes by him and then it like picks back up the gopro and it's just like swimming off <laughs> I have the life over limb, right? Yeah, similar story. It's like, all right, uh, I'm gonna grab my gun and drop the GoPro right now. 
And if, if I actually did record what happened, there would be some very, very funny audio to listen to. <laughs> oh, like, man. Yeah. You know, it's, they're animals, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cruel world all the way around. And if you don't, if you can't, if, if the animal kingdom's not any sort of understanding of, of, of uh, the human experience, yeah, it's it's gotta have a good understanding that it's it's pretty cruel out there, you know. Um, yeah, in saying that though, it's like it is an ecosystem, and being a part of it as well, I think that's where a lot of the, I guess, excitement and joy comes from is being able to share that too. You know, like for us as spear fishermen, being able to go out and like. Some days I honestly don't even care if I get a fish. Mm. If the water's clear and you're seeing like rays and sharks and whatever, dolphins, whales, turtles, like it's that's the beauty of it is being a part of it just for that day. And unfortunately, like it does go bad. Like I feel so sorry for old mate down at Greymount and his family and that and super, super sad, but uh, every surfer or anyone who uses the ocean should know that that's just part of the package, I guess. Like, no, I, really, but yeah, that's the, that's the human experience, man. I, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Like I, when I look at nature and I look at all that beauty and just the rawness, it's just, I, you just get taken, taken away, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, dude, you were, have traveled to so many places over the years great honor too by the way i'm stoked to be chatting to one of my childhood heroes <laughs> um well cool man thank you so much dude and um i know dude i miss all you guys like cam and the oz guys would come over for like sales meetings and stuff and i haven't seen them in for ages now <laughs> Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, man. We'll. I, I know we will hook up soon. Thanks for for all your support. And uh, yeah, man. Thank appreciate you. appreciate this time. You guys. Uh, you guys enjoy as as I know you will. And um, yeah. appreciate it, bro. <laughs> Thank you very much. As I said, it's a pleasure to be uh, invited to what podcast, video cast. I don't even know what you'd call this Zoom meeting. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Salty Stories, The Ship's Log, presented by Salty Crew and hosted by The Sage, CJ Hopkins. To see the trips that were mentioned, check out Thrill Seekers and Risk Takers the movie on YouTube or salty-crew.com. And keep an eye out for more Salty Stories episodes coming soon.